You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hello, and welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. This is episode number 359. Happy January, folks. Happy 2022. It's still always so hard for me to say that. Um, Maybe it's all the twos. Maybe it's just that I'm in denial that the years have just quickly passed by. But I'm happy that you are here with me, and I'm happy to have spent so many years with you. I am hoping that today is going to be an episode that gives you hope and speaks to many of you who are dealing with something that over 50 million Americans deal with on a daily basis, and that is chronic pain. Back pain, hip pain, knee pain, joint pain. For many people, it starts out small and then continues to grow and becomes more persistent until it totally degrades your quality of life. It's something I've dealt with personally for years, and since finding my way out of it, I have really wanted to highlight the ways in which we can manage and treat chronic pain on this show, and that is what I'm going to be talking about today with pain and rehabilitation expert, Dr. Yoni Witten. Dr. Witten has made this his life's work for over 15 years. He not only has vast clinical experience, but he also knows so much about the literature when it comes to the root cause of chronic pain and why common treatments, specifically in the U.S., go directly against what we know to be true. We're also going to be talking about solutions and the things that you can do in the short term to help improve your overall pain from a holistic perspective, which I'm really excited about. Before we dive into that... Something else that I'm really excited about, uh, about a year ago, I stopped drinking caffeine. It was actually on this podcast that a guest talked about how coffee increases anxiety, and I realized that it was actually making me feel jittery and spun up in the mornings, and it was kind of like giving me those butterfly feelings in my stomach, which I don't love. And I also started to realize that it was really hindering the quality of my sleep, And once I stopped drinking caffeine in the mornings, I saw improvements so much so that I haven't had any caffeine since. Now, what I miss about caffeine is the nice little pick-me-up and the increased focus that I used to experience in the mornings. So I started becoming more and more interested in something called adaptogens, which are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. So they essentially, we've talked about them on this podcast before in response to answering some of your questions, specifically when it comes to managing stress and even balancing hormones. So how they work is they essentially boost your resilience and tolerance when it comes to emotional and physical stress, and they provide your body with the support it needs when it needs it. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. And it really was last year, like somewhere in the middle of the year, I was like, I want to start supplementing with adaptogens and kind of tinker. So after looking at a lot of different ways to support 
my body with adaptogens and support immunity, I found a little something called red juice from Organifi. Now, I am not a juicer. I am not a protein shaker. I know a lot of you are. But the more I researched, the more I realized the easiest and best best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water and mixed. And guys, I sort of love it, which <laughs> it's the new me. Uh, so while Organifi makes a lot of different adaptogen blends, their red juice is specifically designed for energy support, and that's what really attracted me to it. I kind of wanted something that I could mix up cold and have in the morning, like mid-morning, as sort of like a little bit of a pick-me-up. Uh, it's a red berry antioxidant blend. It has potent blends. It has a potent blend of different adaptogens. So the red juice has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. Now, cordyceps is one of my favorite functional adaptogens because it boosts energy, immunity, and stamina. It's kind of like a mom adaptogen. <laughs> uh, so I have totally fallen in love with Organifi. All of their superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic. They contain high-quality ingredients, and they're free of fillers, and they also taste really good. And most importantly, they do have clinical and effective doses of adaptogens. So they have a variety of drinks, including ones that are great for the morning, midday, and evening. Some mix with cold. Some mix best with like warmer water. So I, I went ahead and got a few different ones to kind of experiment with, and I've been loving it. So they have, for example, they have a green juice, which I did get that as well. It's really great to take in the morning when you get poor sleep or you're just really experiencing a stressful day because it has ashwagandha. And they also have a gold chocolate drink that is so good with warm water at nighttime because it has reishi, which is a functional mushroom really great for like balancing your system and relaxing. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress. You're just, just all the stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank, which is also important to me. Go to Organifi.com slash wellfed and use our code wellfed for 20% off. Again, that's Organifi. So it's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash well fed our code is well fed for 20 percent off go get yourself some red juice and experiment with it i love it i have it multiple times a week now and it's made such a huge difference now let's bring on dr witten Dr. Yoni Witten is an expert in the art and science of permanent pain resolution. In addition to his hands-on work with patients over the last 15 years, Dr. Witten has spent years researching and studying with experts in manual medicine, functional neurology, and rehabilitation. Through his practice, he has developed a revolutionary approach to chronic pain. Now the system that Dr. Witten developed has been codified and is available to chronic pain sufferers around the world. The Pain Fix Protocol blends the latest scientific research with essential concepts from the field of natural movement, evolutionary health, nutrition, structural hygiene, hygiene, I love that, structural hygiene, and self-care and human performance. Welcome, Dr. Witten. Thank you so much for having me, Noah. Yeah. So talk to me first about why you were like, I really want to specialize in chronic pain because it's it's an incredibly 
multifaceted and and confusing thing, and it's a hard nut to crack. So why did you say, you know, that's that's what I want to do? Well, that's extremely well put, and and I never said <laughs> actually that I want to get into this. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a lifelong athlete. I've I've been involved in athletics since I was a very young child. And the truth of the matter is, is that when I was going through my undergrad degree and when I went into chiropractic school, my intention all along the way was to work with athletes. Mm. And I wanted to be the guy on the sidelines, you know, helping those athletes to, you know, run a quarter of a second faster or jump a little higher and, and win in competition, you know, and, and kind of, since I wasn't good enough to play at that level, I wanted to work with athletes at that really high level. And then, um, uh, several things happened, um, along that ride that kind of changed. The first was when I was in my undergraduate degree, my girlfriend at the time developed something called Bell's palsy. Mm. Um, and it came out of the blue. All of a sudden she woke up one day and half of her face was basically paralyzed. So we went the conventional route. We tried all these things, nothing worked. Nobody could tell us why it came on, how long it would last. The thing with Bell's palsy, it's got a bunch of different known causes. And then they'll say things like, oh, this could last for six weeks or it could go on for the rest of your life. Hmm. Needless to say, pretty terrifying for a person who's in that situation. And so as a last ditch effort, we went to see my family chiropractor and she did an amazing examination and said, come back tomorrow. And I'll come up with a treatment plan. And we came back the next day. She laid it all out for us. She explained what was happening. And for me, standing in the room with this person that I cared so much about, seeing the fear in her fade away through giving her hope, through the manual work, through giving her a complete action plan. Hey, we're going to give you e-stim on your face to make sure that the facial muscles don't deteriorate. We're going to give you an eye patch because the eye doesn't close. And so it makes it hard to sleep at night. We're going to give you an eye patch so you can sleep at night. We're going to do this, this, then this. And I want you to come in. And it was like, she was steering the ship. She knew where she was going and it instantly changed for my girlfriend. And, um, and, and then, you know, five weeks later, she was completely resolved. And I sat in the room that day and I saw that happen. And for me, it was a huge shift because there's nothing worse than having somebody that you care about and you're not able to do anything to help them. Yeah. And, um, and then I was in chiropractic school, still intending to work with athletes. And I graduated, still intending to work with athletes. And then early on in my career, I had a patient come in. It was the husband of an existing patient. She dragged him in kicking and screaming. The guy um, was in excruciating pain, couldn't move one degree in any direction in his neck, had complete atrophy of his dominant arm, couldn't move the arm, couldn't move the hand. Um, and he'd already been to see three other doctors. Uh, two of them said, tapped out. I, hey, I can't help you. One of them, one of them tried and made the guy worse. And um, I do the exam and I decide the first two docs were right. And I say, look, here's a neurosurgery consultation. I, I think you're too far gone. Um, but his wife called me back and said, we can't afford it. Will you help my husband? She's in tears when she asked me this. And so I reluctantly agreed. Um, everything that I'd been taught in school about pain management was thrown out in the first one or two sessions because none of it worked. <laughs> and so I just, I, I, I went back to my roots, which are working on performance. And that was eventually what worked. I have this saying that I say with my patients all the time now, when they come in, do you want me to, do you want me to eliminate the pain or do you want me to get rid of the problem? 
everybody chooses like eliminate the pain, right? And that's, that's the natural choice. That's what we're taught on all the commercials on TV. You got a headache, get rid of the headache. Don't, don't bother asking the question, what brought the headache on? So I say like, oh, you got a headache? You want me to get rid of it? Here, come over here. I'll stomp on your foot. <laughs> it right. sounds silly, right? But you won't have a headache anymore. I guarantee it. Because right. you're going to be thinking about your foot. If I stomp hard enough, you're not thinking about your head anymore. So that's what I mean when I say that about pain is it lies. And if you're caught up in a pain management model where you're constantly talking to the person about their pain. Oh, rate your pain on a scale of one to 10. Oh, how is it now? How is it now? How is it now? How is it now? You're just, it's pain centric. You're always focused on pain. You are going to have an extremely hard time breaking that person out of pain. So with this guy, what I did is I switched to a function model and it changed everything. All of a sudden he was focusing on function. I was focusing on function. The pain signals while we respect them, we're not talking about them all the time. We're not living in that world. And over the course of working with him, we completely restored full functionality. I have before and after x-rays showing that we put the normal, he had a reverse curve in his neck, meaning the curvature of the spine was bent the wrong way. We put the curve completely back into his neck, all the muscle mass and functionality came back into his dominant arm and he was able to go back to work. Um, and so for me, that was life changing and, and for him um, equally. So that was that was 15 years ago now that I did that. And it basically started me down the road and switched me off of this this athlete, uh, athletic performance centered approach to things to now. I, I basically have the same performance centered approach. It's just it's applied in a in a. Uh, population of people that are dealing with chronic pain. And we're getting such good results that um, I don't see myself changing anytime soon. It's just, it's so much more um, fulfilling as a practitioner to alter the course of a person's life in that way than to help an athlete win a, a shiny trophy or something. Right. Right. And you said something really profound, which is you stopped focusing on the pain, mm -hmm. which I know so many people who have chronic pain literally focus on their pain 24 seven. And it's hard mm -hmm. not to right? because if you're in pain, that's all you can really think about. Mm -hmm. But I love what you said, which is the treatment. So getting better, we're not focusing on what's the level of the pain. We're focusing on improving functionality, mm -hmm. which is our, works together. But when you're focusing on functionality, you're actually improving the what you, you know, the strength, how your body functions, how you move, you know, mm -hmm. in your daily life, which mm -hmm. is going to put less and less strain on all of those places that we typically feel and experience pain. So yes. what exactly is chronic pain? Because I do feel like sometimes we talk about pain like, oh, my back hurts. But like, how do you define chronic pain? Pain is a signal from the body that something's wrong. Um, so that's that's important to understand right from the outset. Chronic pain, definitionally speaking, is 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 a neurological phenomenon called sensitization. So I know that you and your audience are focused on fitness, right? Mm. So imagine this. Imagine that you take a person who's new to fitness and you have them start doing bicep curls. And in the beginning, uh, curling a five pound dumbbell is very difficult for 10 repetitions. And then over the course of several months, you work with them and 
at the end of three months, they're able to now curl 12 pounds for 10 repetitions. And it feels much easier than that original five pounds felt. So what happened in order for them to get to the point that 12 pounds feels easy now and five pounds used to feel difficult? Well, there's physical adaptations. You get actual changes in the diameter of the muscle fibers. Um, you get neurological changes. The person becomes more efficient at recruiting those fibers. And so essentially fitness has increased. Fitness being the capacity to do work has increased by those physical and neurological adaptations, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing happens with chronic pain. So I talk about it to simplify it with my patients in terms of conversation. So Imagine you're in the kitchen, you get your hand a little too close to the stove and you're, you're on the phone, you're not focusing on it and, and your body goes, uh, hey, Noel, uh, you should probably think about moving your hand because you're getting pretty close to damaging yourself. You continue with your phone conversation, you get a little closer to the stove. Um, now it's going to talk later, louder. Hey, hey, Noel, that hand is getting pretty close here. You might want to think about changing something. <clears throat> you still don't listen. You slide your hand even a little closer. Now it's going to start yelling at you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, Noel, get your hand away from the damn stove. And then you get a little closer. Now it's going to start screaming at you. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. So that's what chronic pain is. Chronic pain is your body has sent you signals. It's tried speaking. It's tried whispering to you. It's tried speaking to you. It's tried yelling at you. Now it's screaming at you. And in order for those screams to happen, the same thing that happened when you were curling, curling with the dumbbell happened. So the, the fibers become more sensitive. The fibers that conduct pain signals from the body up to the brain, they become larger. They become more efficient at transmitting signals. It's like taking a one lane dirt road and turning it into a super highway to your brain. And it just rams it to your pain center. It's like, Hey, this person is not getting that their hand that they're moving closer and closer to danger and that they're damaging themselves and they're decreasing our capacity for survival, which is what our body is designed to do is survive. That's our prime function is stay alive long enough to reproduce. And so if you jeopardize your survivability, the pain signals are there to basically shake you out of your stupor and get you back onto a road where um, you're not harming yourself and, and you will have those physical and those neurological changes to make that process more efficient to try and ensure your survivability. Mm, I love that analogy. And I love the idea. I mean, making the fitness adaptations that totally clicks for me because mm -hmm. it seems like it's easier to get to be in pain once you do experience pain once you have chronic pain and you don't you're like I'm not now I'm not barely doing anything and I'm in pain and it can be confusing and it's because mm -hmm. of those adaptations so that's exactly why, right so why are so many people in chronic pain in our society because I I don't know about you but I do feel like it's a growing problem and so there mm -hmm. has to be some sort of root, you know, root causes, what, like to you, why are so many people now, like what are, what are kind of the underlying root causes that you see most in your practice? So I would sum it up as the modern lifestyle is incongruent with what our needs are as a species. Now that's a fancy way of saying it, but rather than giving you my opinion, I will tell you that there are currently one and a half billion people in the world 
suffering with chronic pain. So you're right. There's a ton. Now, leading medical journals are predicting that that number is going to increase significantly in coming years because of two factors. The first of those factors is a general aging of the world's population. So uh, say life expectancy was 78 years um, just a few years back and now it's 80. Right. So Mm -hmm. so. And there does tend to be an uh, increased incidence of pain with increased age. So just by the nature of statistics, that's one of the reasons. But the second reason is much more interesting because the first reason, there's not a lot that you can do about it, right? There's Mm -hmm. increased pain associated with living longer, but living longer is still um, generally a good thing, assuming that your quality of life is still good. Um, And the second factor is the adoption of the modern lifestyle and moving away uh, uh, from traditional ways of living. Um, We have very little physical activity. Uh, We do not need to move uh, to get our basic needs for survival met anymore, which is completely abnormal in a historical context. Um, We eat foods um, and and um, and uh, that that haven't been around for very long. Um, and so our body doesn't know what to do with them. We get tons of calories without having to expend any calories to get them. It's, it's, it's a very weird time. And so these journals are basically predicting that the modern lifestyle is going to increase chronic pain. Like mm-hmm. that's the short of it is that's what's doing it. Yeah. Does it have to do at all with like how much we sit or how we're sitting or how we're moving too? Yeah. So, I mean, it's the less we move, the more we're sedentary. So for sure, sitting is part of it. Um, but the lack of movement is the, is the other side of the seesaw. Those two things go together. When one goes up, the other one goes down, Mm. you know? So, um, sitting for sure is a problem. Um, the, the, the most common kind of, of chronic pain is back pain. And there's studies that show that, I mean, just taking a 10 minute walk reduces back pain. Hmm. Why? Because we're designed to move. There was a study that came out in the Journal of Physiology uh, several years back that said that the vast majority of chronic ailments that the human species now suffers, this is human species that lives the modern lifestyle, could be resolved simply by walking five to nine miles a day. Wow. Is that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. Is that crazy? Like we yeah. hear all these things about the latest and greatest medication and what they should be saying is get out and walk. Now, not everybody can walk five to nine miles starting, but most people can start somewhere and then work on it. Right. So like may- five to nine miles at once, like as an exercise or just like throughout the day? Yeah, throughout the day. Throughout the day, Got it. essentially, they were using they were using a, a hunter gatherer model for the comparison. So one of the things that we do in 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 this country is we reverse engineer stuff. So we say, say we're setting a, a recommended daily allowance for a vitamin. Uh, what's the minimum amount of vitamin C before a person that a person needs to take in every day before they start to experience symptoms of deficiency, right? Mm-hmm. And then we set that as our recommendation, instead of saying, what have people consumed traditionally for hundreds of thousands of years? And let's hit that standard. So when we think about it from that second standpoint, our ancestors walked five to nine miles every single day. They didn't do it as exercise. 
They did it to hunt and gather food and ensure their survival. Right. Or to move camps or to find firewood or to, you know, if you've ever been camping, you know how much you move around. Um, and, and that's how they did it. So you don't have to do it all at once. In fact, the research shows that from a pain standpoint, you do way better when you break up the activity into small chunks and spread it throughout the day. Because as you noted earlier, it prevents you from sitting for too long. If you are so done being tired and fatigued and overstimulated and not being able to fall asleep and waking up a lot in the middle of the night, I feel you. I've been there. I was wired and tired. And I didn't know why. I was just feeling so just overwhelmed with just like a sense of almost nervousness and anxiety. And it wasn't until I had this light overhaul in my house that I could tell how much blue light from my computer and my phone, overhead light, how all of that was affecting me. And I was able to do that with the help of Blue Blocks. So Blue Blocks makes computer and Sleep Plus glasses, which help to block out, the computer glasses help to block out the harsh light that we see when we're looking at our screens all day, every day, when we're looking at, you know, our phone. And then the Sleep Plus glasses are actually evidence-based. They block out all the wavelengths that are clinically shown to suppress melatonin production, which we so desperately need to be able to fall asleep quickly and to have good sleep quality. And it's really a vicious cycle because once you're not sleeping well and, yes, fall asleep really late, then your melatonin production is really just not online and then you just kind of your sleep gets worse and worse so stop the cycle get blue blocks sleep plus glasses if you're going to invest in one pair that's what i highly recommend starting with so the sleep plus glasses they have an orange tint you can put them on it's now part of our nightly routine put them on about two hours before bedtime when you're just starting to wind down i understand like Everybody says, don't have screens on two hours before bed. But some of us have to work after the kids go down and some of us want to watch our shows. And that is where these Sleep Plus glasses come into play and they save the day. So invest in some Sleep Plus glasses. The lenses are really attractive. I like the way they feel. I don't even know they're there. And they look good. I like the way they look, which is important. I think that's really important. Um, and if you've bought like orange lensed glasses before and they didn't work, it's because they weren't properly blocking all of the wave wavelengths that have been shown to suppress melatonin production. So investing in a pair of Sleep Plus glasses is, is investing in your sleep for and your like proper hormone production for the rest of your life, for years to come. Blueblocks.com forward slash wellfed. That's our link. It's B-L-U. B-L-O-X.com forward slash well-fed. Use our code well-fed for 15% off. They can also turn any pair of glasses into custom blue blockers, which is pretty cool. Again, that's blueblocks.com forward slash well-fed, and then use our code well-fed for 15% off. So what is the problem with the common treatments for actual chronic pain? Because I think as much as we hate to admit it, like there are a lot of pro problems with how we're living in our modern day, but we're not going to all go back, you know, thousands of years and be like, OK, now we're going to live like hunter gatherers. And mm -hmm. somehow we have to, you know, we've gotten our a lot of people have gotten themselves in chronic pain and they need to figure out how to they want to get to the place where they can walk five to nine miles a day, but they can't because they feel like they're always in pain. So if somebody mm -hmm. goes to a doctor or goes, you know, people are even like, where do I go? Which I know mm -hmm. we'll get to that in a second. But 
What what do you see as the problem with treatments for chronic pain? Because as what I've seen from the conventional route, um, it's not really solving anything. Well, so if you're talking about resolving chronic pain, there's two big ways of thinking about it. There is symptomatically dealing with pain. So pain is a symptom. If we go back to the example that we were using earlier, you getting your hand closer and closer to a hot stove, the pain is not the problem. We would have to agree on that, right? The pain is not the problem. The pain is the signal letting you know that you're about to have a problem. Or if your hand is on the hot stove, the pain is letting you know that, hey, there is a problem. You're damaging your cells, right? Right. But we have a symptomatic approach in this country whereby somebody gets a headache and they immediately pop a pill to reduce the symptom of the headache rather than saying, hey, how much sleep did I get last night? Hey, what have I eaten? Hey, am I hydrated? Hey, what's going on that is creating this symptom? It's very weird. And I talk about this a lot. You can go in, Noel, with back pain to the conventional medical system, they will do a three-step approach to your problem. This is very consistent. They're gonna do a quick examination of the painful area, um, meaning they're pretty much just gonna look at it. Then they're gonna send you off for imaging. This is usually an X-ray. If that X-ray comes back negative, meaning there's no fractures, no dislocations, nothing wildly wrong on the X-ray, they are going to stop looking for answers about your pain And they're going to send you home with most likely a prescription for painkillers or anti-inflammatories, another for muscle relaxants, and a recommendation to rest or immobilize the painful area, all without knowing what's causing the problem. The pain is just like, oh, it's just, it's pain. It's annoying me. I want to get rid of it. Very weird. Consider that against what a dentist does. Hey, I have tooth pain. You go into the dentist. The dentist examines the area. He's going to take imaging also, he or she, he'll send you off for an x-ray. That x-ray, if it comes back negative, he's going to keep looking because he knows that there's a reason for the pain. And no person would ever accept a dentist just giving them a prescription for painkillers and telling them to rest the tooth. But if you flip it and you go to a back pain model, everybody accepts it. Oh, yeah, I got some painkillers, so everything's fine. No, everything is not fine. There's a reason you're in pain and that reason has to be determined. Mm. So when you flip it to a dental model, everybody instinctually understands this. And that's a credit to the dental profession. They've done a great job educating people. And uh, conventional medicine has has done the opposite where they've trained people to be pain centered. In other words, you could have your hand on hot stove walk into an emergency room or an urgent care with your hand still on that hot stove. And if they miss it on an x-ray and give you a painkiller, they've still done their job according to them and according to how people have been trained to think about it. Your hand is still being damaged by being on that stove, but you have a painkiller so that you don't feel it. (laughs) I love the go home and rest your tooth. Yeah. (laughs) Go yeah. home, take some painkillers, rest your tooth. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. No, no dentist wild. would ever would ever would ever give you a painkiller. They're like, hey, let's fix the problem. And people right. know that when they go to a dentist, they're not and, just going there to get a painkiller. 
Yeah. And quite frankly, that's how people get into chronic pain is they go and say, my body's telling me there's a problem. Mm-hmm. They get, okay, imaging. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this for, for years. Uh, mm-hmm. got a, I got an x-ray, you know, well, everything looks fine. Everything looks okay on this x-ray. Just don't do that anymore. You know, I, I threw out my back <laughs> doing, a, you know, whatever, it, you know, picking something off the floor, deadlifting, squatting. If we, Well, stop doing that. Don't move like that. That's literally what I was told. It's like, cool. Sure. Thanks for your help. So it's li- it's yeah. literally, well, don't chew food anymore. Like, stop chewing. Like, why are you using your teeth? So, you know. Yeah, how, how dare you try and use your body? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And and it, it's, it's that's how people spiral into un, like, like co- root causes that don't get actually resolved, which leads me to my next question. And for me, you know, I'm a person who always asks why. And I think that that's was my drive to how I finally got myself out of chronic pain. One of the things that I ask myself constantly is, why is this happening? This isn't happening for no reason. It's not just it didn't just happen like this is there is something that is causing this. It might be multifaceted, but there are things that I I should be able to do to stop this from happening again. And for me, which this is one of the problems, I always think of structural. I'm always like, well, what is it? Is it a discish? There's got to be something. You know, I'm always like, well, maybe it's a pinched nerve. Well, maybe this is. And a lot of times it's not that easy. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, your back looks good on an image. You know, you're in alignment or, oh, you you know, you don't have a bulging disc right now. Um and so so w- what are the reasons like what are some of the root causes of this chronic pain like why is is the body sending these signals is it a nervous system thing is is, is it a structural thing like how, how can we actually get to the root cause well it depends on the situation there's no one answer for that what i can tell you is that i've been in clinical practice for 15 15 years now. And for the vast majority of people that come into my practice suffering with chronic pain, they've been to see practitioners of a lot of different varieties and they're, they have structural issues across the board and they have neurological issues, uh, across the board. There's no way of separating those two. Um, a person who's, who's got chronic pain, probably has some uh, emotional mood, uh, certainly stress, um, sleep, lifestyle, all of those things. It's all part of it. It's, it's all part of it to varying degrees with, with each person. Um, structure, taking the structural model that conventional medicine uses and holding it in too high of a regard is is part of the problem. So when you're doing an examination and trying to determine the root causes with somebody, imaging can be valuable, but it's just one data point. And anybody who's been through school to become a provider of healthcare knows because they were taught that you don't even get to do your imaging until you submit um, a differential diagnosis, meaning I've already done an extremely thorough physical neurological exam, a good history for what's causing the problem, and I suspect X, Y, and Z. Now, Mr. or Mrs. Radiologist, 
take this set of images and tell me that I'm wrong. That's how you're supposed to phrase it. In other Mm. words, rule out this problem. Take this image to rule it out. But you have to have done a very thorough history and a very thorough examination because the history really should give you the vast majority of the information that you need. Just talking to the person. Once you've done that, though, you really don't need to talk to them anymore. I have this joke that I'm envious of veterinarians because they don't have the distraction of patients talking to them. (laughs) And and I say that and some people get mad at me. But the the truth is it allows you to to focus more keenly on the signals that the person's sending you. You know, Mm -hmm. the way their face looks as they move, the way they wince or the way their eyes change or the way that the movement pattern shifts to compensate. So the real the the gold, if you want to get down to the bottom line of something for the vast majority of people, this is going to be highly accurate is just to look at their functionality. Hmm. Yeah. Once you have a good history, like, hey, Noel, tell me what happened to your back. What were you doing? Oh, I was deadlifting. Okay, And then. And then what, you know, how much weight did you have on the bar? What position were you in? What type of deadlift was it? Um, And what are your symptoms now? Great. Once you have that information, now we're going to the physical and and I'm going to see where you're, where you're not moving normally. In other words, like if you brought your car to me and I was an alignment specialist, I know how a wheel is supposed to move. Does your wheel move like normal or does it not? That's as simple as it gets. That's really how I've simplified chronic pain. After 15 years, I go straight to what's the, what's the history. And then I take the patient at this point in my career, I take them straight to the most difficult thing because it gives me all my answers right there. What kind of things are you testing when you're testing functionality? You're, you're talking about like, just like normal function, like squatting, picking something up off the floor. Thinking. Yes. Now you're thinking easier. So I'm talking basic human movements. So, so, um, I know you have one child, two now, two kids. And Mm -hmm. so any five-year-old passes my examination easily. And it's like fun. My (laughs) examination is fun. Hey, just move your body. I want you to turn your neck as far as you can. I want you to bend your back backwards as far as you can. And there are acceptable norms for all of those movements. But nobody does this exam. It blows my mind. It's the easiest thing in the world. Everybody in the world should pass my exam. Everybody. Any five-year-old passes my exam. And the vast majority of adults cannot pass my exam. And it's easy stuff. Like, can you move your spine through a normal range of motion? Can you squat down? Can you get up and down off the floor? Can you get out of a chair easily? How do you walk? Like, Mm. easy, easy stuff. And and people in chronic pain don't pass. And you have people like... um, Dr. John Sarno, um, who you may have heard of, yes, who yep. who did a he did a grave disservice to people because because his work ended up being a distraction. Are there people who have an emotional component to their chronic pain? Without a doubt, are there people who that is the factor that triggered their physical pain? Yes. Uh, in my experience, it's an extremely small percentage. He made it seem like it's everybody. I've never in 15 years had one patient in chronic pain who passed a physical exam, not one. And, Mm. and he had, and he had things where he would say things like, uh, Oh, 
people had no findings on their functional exam. It's like, then this is not an indication of an emotionally driven pain pattern. This is an indication that you have an inadequate physical exam. Right. And it goes back to what you were saying before about that x-ray. You know, you put it all on x-ray. Well, a person's got a normal x-ray. By the way, what does a normal x-ray mean? Conventional medicine doesn't even comment on the spinal curves in most cases. And there's acceptable norms for what constitutes a normal amount of curve in the lumbar spine and a normal amount in the neck. And yet in my practice and across the board in modern society, we're seeing reductions in the normal curve of the spine. You would see that manifest in something like tech neck or text neck where everybody's head is now poking out in front of their body. So you're talking about we've got six different modern day studies showing that 70% of our population nowadays has a forward head position, which is a reversal of the normal curve in the neck, which has been shown to do uh, be related to uh, neck pain, back pain, headaches. Uh, it actually puts tension on your spinal cord. Um, so there's, there's some wild, wild things going on right now. Like, you know, what constitutes a normal x-ray? You have to start asking those questions. Absolutely. And I, I honestly, you know, we, I've been to so many different types of practitioners out there. I've been to, you know, many different chiropractors and, and go regularly, but that, you know, the, the general adjustments didn't just solve anything for my pain. You know, mm -hmm. you go the conventional route and they say, well, you, you need to get an x-ray done or you need to get an MRI and mm -hmm. you get that done and it's like, okay, now what? You know, mm -hmm. they, they just basically tell you to stop moving and manage your pain. Mm -hmm. And the people who actually, there are two people in my life who got me out of deep, deep, deep holes pretty quickly, mm -hmm. which is still, it blows my mind that it was like six to eight weeks. I was like not in pain hardly at all anymore. But, mm -hmm. you know, I still had to take, you know, still took a year for me to build strength and feel like, oh, wow, haven't felt that pain in a week, you know. Um, yeah. And both of them did a very regularly, we did functional exams where mm -hmm. I had to do basic movements and, you know, I have good functional movement. But um, I remember distinctly the one thing that I couldn't do. And it was like lift my leg off the floor while lying prone, like face down and being able to like lift my leg, basically like activating my glute. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't, I couldn't even lift my leg, like my knee off the ground. Yeah. And it, it's not something I would have known. Like, it's not like I would have known that that was happening. Right. But these functional exams kind of showed that. And the mm -hmm. the last guy that he's a chiropractor, very similar to you and does like a lot of uh, like a combination of things, you know, PT, mm -hmm. manual therapy, massage, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. He said, we're not going to focus on the pain. We're going to focus on improving your functionality. Like we're and I, I kept coming to him Smart. and saying, like, I'm not like, but and I would come back the second time and I'm like, I still feel the pain. He's like, that's OK. <laughs> you know, like I guess, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm the, the, the person that you would not like to have for a client because I'm always talking and like, well, tell me why you're doing this and what do you think it is? And do you think it's this or this? And he's like, you know, you have a lot of ideas and that's great. But like, let's just focus on functionality right now. No, um, I love I love to have those <laughs> questions. Yeah, uh, because because it gives us an opportunity for a, a teachable moment to, to shift your understanding and your perspective. And it sounds like he did exactly the right thing with you. Yeah. And I mean, like, I didn't believe him, but six to eight weeks and, you know, my functionality had improved significantly and I was able to build from that. And, you know, I'm still in, you know, I still felt pain. It wasn't like I never felt pain, but I was improving my functional, you know, movement. And over time, after a year now, you know, I'm a year after post 
all of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm normal, you know, I, my body moves very functionally and I, I exercise again and I don't feel that, which is just such a blessing. And I've been able to build on that from, you know, with the exercise and with strength training, which has been really cool. Like I don't have to do all those little exercises like I used to do, which can kind of be annoying. Um, but let me, like, I let don't, me ask you a question. Yeah. Did he involve you in the process? Was he giving you homework to do? Oh, in the of day? course. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And do you still do that? I do it once a week. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's valid. It's, it's harder to get momentum when you're building a snowball. It's harder to, to get that ball rolling when it's small and just starting out as it gets bigger and you accumulate, you know, you build up equity in it, then it's easier to keep that ball rolling. But let me ask you this. Why do you continue to do the exercises? Because I don't want to be in pain again. (laughs) There you go. You got it. So, so that's, that's the right approach. The, 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 the thing to understand and what he did with you is understanding, shifting your idea that the pain is not the problem. The pain is letting you know that there is a problem. That's a fundamental difference. Yeah. And, and, and then now, okay, the pain is letting me know that there is a problem. What is the problem? Oh, I can't engage my glutes. Okay, well, then you can't stabilize the center of your body, meaning you can't move your extremities in a coordinated fashion and in a safe fashion that allows you to exert maximum force. Because if you exert maximum force, it's like driving around on a car that has uh, a bad shock. And now I'm going to slam the the accelerator down to the floor and and you're going to blow something out because the the car is not in a position to absorb the power that you can that you can generate. Mm, Yeah. So your body will shut it down. We have these amazing receptors in our body. Amazing. This is such a cool thing. It's like a fail safe mechanism. You go to lift something and if your body perceives that there's too much strain on your muscles and tendons your body shuts those down. So it makes you basically imagine you go to, to do a, a super heavy deadlift, hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and your body feels so much strain that it senses that something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. You will feel pain and neurologically your brain will shut down those muscles so that the bar just falls before you hurt yourself. Hmm. <laughs> Amazing. It's yeah. all, it's, it's, it's really cool. such a, beautiful design and it, and it, and it's designed to keep you alive so that you can reproduce. Now, why are so many people in, in pain in modern society? Because we found so many ways to not listen to those signals right. <laughs> or, or consciously override them. Right. You know, Oh, no problem. Like, Oh, my back hurts when I do this and this I'll take, um, opioids and keep doing the thing that my body is telling me not to do. After two months packed with holiday stress and traveling and obligations in life, it's easy to feel stressed, worn out, and tired at the start of the year. So if you're feeling like you need a holiday from the holidays, do yourself a favor and start taking Magnesium Breakthrough every night before you go to bed, just like me. Why? Because stress depletes your magnesium levels, as does pregnancy. And magnesium is critical for getting deep restorative sleep. Magnesium actually increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level, and it is so critical for sleep. And because stress depletes magnesium, this is a fact, This also means magnesium is needed to support your body's stress response. So if you're stressed and you're not sleeping, 
you definitely need more magnesium. The reason Magnesium Breakthrough is so effective is because it's the only organic, full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep, all in one capsule. So when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets an upgrade from your sleep to your brain, from stress to pain to inflammation. I've been taking it every night, probably for the last two years. I take two at night. And it's really the only nutrient that is an absolute must daily for both me and my husband. And when I'm more stressed, sometimes I'll up it. Sometimes I'll take three capsules. So for our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com slash wellfed and use the code wellfed10 to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough. And if you're trying to reorder, that's the best place to go because that's where the best discounts are. This is where I actually place my order. Again, it's Mag Breakthrough, M-A-G, and then the word breakthrough. So B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed10 for your exclusive 10% discount. So as we get older, I mean, this obviously that's one of the causes of chronic pain, but I don't want to accept that as I get older, I'm going to be in more pain. But it mm. seems like as people get older, like we have more people needing hip replacements and knee replacements. And that's, you know, what's kind of like my grandparents. And I, I think anybody who has grandparents, aunts and uncles, like we've seen so many different knee replacements and hip replacements from people who aren't like, you know, they're not NFL quarterbacks. They're not like wearing <laughs> out their knees. So, yeah. you know, what is going on there with with that kind of pain? That's a that's a really interesting thing. And it's it's something that I've asked myself a lot. Um Obviously, you have to take it on a case by case basis. You need to ask if there's some history of trauma to the joint. Now, I will grant you that oftentimes there is not. And then my question is, if it's an age related thing and hey, I don't want my joints to wear out either. I agree with you 100 percent. If it's an age related thing, then my question to you, Noel, is this. Why is it one sided? Both hips both knees were born on the same day. Why is it that in most of these cases, the person only needs one hip or one knee replaced, not the other? That doesn't make sense. So we can rule out age because if it was age, it would be both, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a study, uh, there's actually multiple studies where they compared age match populations in the United States with, with, uh, so there were people in their senior years in, in the U.S. versus China, and they found 90% less need for hip replacements and incidents of osteoarthritis of the hip in Chinese elderly versus elderly here in the West. Wow. 90%? This is a fascinating, yeah, 80 to 90%. 90% was the high end. Yeah. Pretty massive, wow. right? And so there was speculation. What leads to it? One of the things they said is genetic, which is such a throwaway. Like it's it's such a gimme. Like you don't have to explain anything. Oh, they're just mm-hmm. genetically prone to not wearing out their hips. And okay, so genetics. Let's let's just dispel this. Genetics uh, is basically evolution is designed so that we enhance survivability. Features uh, or traits are selected based on their ability to increase survivability of subsequent generations. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. So why would we ever evolve to wear our hips out? What, what 
evolutionary advantage would that offer? None. Right. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. It does. That that argument does not hold water. Are there genetic differences? Yes. Between uh, uh, white populations in the United States and elderly Chinese populations. Yes. Maybe it's a factor. But I would I would urge us to put that one on the shelf and look at other things. Dietary factors for sure. There's going to be massive differences in the diet. Um, nutrient factors, uh, what's in their water versus what's in our water, um, movement factors. This was actually cool because the researchers actually acknowledged this. And it's one of my favorite things. And I talk about this a lot is that for several minutes every day, at the very least, those populations in the far East, um, take the hip through a complete range of motion by sitting in a deep squat because they have, uh, Eastern toilets. Yes. Whereas here in the West, we have an extremely limited range of motion in the hip, which is the second most mobile joint in the body. Now, the really interesting thing about joints and and preserving them for a lifetime is that the interior of a joint does not have blood supply. Why is this significant? Because most of the cells in our body have blood to bring in nutrients and to flush out waste products. But the inside of your joint, inside of that joint capsule where the joint surfaces come together and the cartilage and the synovial fluid and everything is in there, there's no blood supply to get in there to bring in nutrients, to nourish those tissues and to flush out waste products from those areas and keep them healthy. So what brings in nutrients to the interior of a joint? Only movement. Hmm. Not moving is toxic for your joints. It starves them for nutrients and it allows waste products to build up. Every joint in the body has to be put through its full range of motion every single day in order to preserve the joints for a lifetime. I'll say it again. Every joint, every range of motion, every day. And so one of the things that they speculated in that study where they were comparing East versus West is that because the Chinese elderly were going into their deep squat every single day, Uh, They were preserving the hip joint by bringing nutrients into uh, a greater portion of the hip joint or in a greater amount than aged match peers here in the United States. And we see similar things in in populations Uh, in Japan. uh, Haven't seen any studies on the incidence of osteoarthritis in the hips specifically, but you do see that elderly Japanese uh, and Okinawans can get up and down off the floor pretty effortlessly. And it's because they do it every single day. Yeah, totally. So we spent some time in Japan. And now that I'm thinking about it, we did a lot of sitting on the floor. And right. you get you you land at the Tokyo airport. And if anybody hasn't seen or, you know, seen a picture of of the way the bathrooms work, it looks like a toilet bowl in the floor. That's so right. you have to put your stuff aside and, you know, hang up your purse or whatever and actually get into a squat to go to the bathroom, which is actually incredibly natural. And it's like how we're supposed to, you know, excrete our our waste. But, mm-hmm. you know, in in the U.S., we sit comfortably on a on a toilet bowl that's sometimes really, really high. And Mm -hmm. so they were, you know, only squatting for not even like two minutes a day. It's not even like they did like exercise where they were really squatting a ton and doing 10 reps of this and 20 reps of that. And they were just going to like, just the simple act of going to the bathroom meant less hip replacement. So it's not like 
you've got to be doing CrossFit. It's just like squat a few times a day. Yeah. That, yeah, crazy. that's absolutely right. I mean, there's there's massive benefits for it with circulation. There's massive benefits for it with maintaining functionality through life. I can't tell you how many how many um, older patients I have, and even patients that are not that old here here in in Southern California who have difficulty getting down and up from the floor, and it's just because they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so what you said is exactly right. You absolutely don't have to go out and do CrossFit. In in fact, there are plenty of arguments that that CrossFit is is dangerous for a lot of people. Um, and, and so just incorporating more motion into your day, like we were talking about earlier, going for walks throughout the day, um, short walks, you know, short walk around the block. I, I have a young, young child. And so I, t- I take short walks through, throughout the day to keep her moving all day long. Yeah, um, and I'm running around and playing with her and getting down and up off the floor. And, 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 you know, the, I mean, we made the conscious decision many years ago to, to not have a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, plush furniture because I want to be down on, on the floor and, and down and up off the floor because I, I need to demonstrate it for my patients. And, and like you, I want joints that feel good and move well for my lifetime. So we know that lack of movement is a problem. We know that not being able to get up and down off the floor is a problem. But a lot of people find that movement or even find exercise or walking or whatever causes their them pain. Like it, the more they do it, the more pain that they're in. So mm-hmm. what does where does somebody start if everything they do causes them pain? Like what are a few? Do you, I, I know this is like a very general question, but like what does what are somebody's next steps? Are there certain exercises that everybody can be working on or what do you recommend? Mm-hmm. So um, there was some research that came out in the 1990s by a guy named Hushang Hushmand, uh, and he found that maybe we were talking about that teeter totter earlier um, that when one side goes down, the other side goes up. Mm-hmm. So neurologically speaking, he discovered that subconscious pain signals in the body, something called nociception, uh, are decreased when we increase the perception of movement in the brain. So the neurological signal of motion to the brain decreases subconscious pain signals. This is a, this is a huge, huge deal. So you asked a question, what if everything, something does everything somebody does causes pain? Well, I, I, I take issue with that statement because because I would find something that doesn't and I would keep looking until I found it and then I would build upon it. Um, so oftentimes I think people set unrealistic goals for themselves. And I just had a conversation with a patient uh, earlier this week and he said something like, oh, if in X amount of weeks I'm still not ready to do this, should I just go get a cortisone shot so that I could do it? And I was like, no, you do not get to dictate terms to your body. You get to learn how to listen to your body. That's what you're getting now. Like you you dictating terms to your body has gotten you to where you are. Now it's time to start listening. So if everything the person does causes pain, I want to know what everything means. And then I'm going to take it down a notch. And if that still causes pain, I'm going to take it down another notch. And if that still causes pain, I'm going to take it down another notch until we find success. And then I'm going to get them really good at that level of success. And then I'm going to start building them up. 
building but I'm going to take it down. Yeah, I'm going to reduce it to, to nothing. Now, if I have to reduce it to, to really nothing, then I can take Hushang Hushman's research and I can get them on a vibration platform. Can mm. you stand on this vibration platform? Because I'm going to ramp up your body's perception of movement very quickly. And I'm going to override those pain signals um, so that we can start breaking you free of that. But, but generally speaking, Noel, there's, there's, there's always a way to reduce it down. In other words, oh, I can't do a squat. Okay. Can you do 5% of a squat? Hmm. Right. Can you do a squat in a non weight bearing position? If I get you lying on your back and your legs resting up on a Swiss ball and rolling the ball towards you, basically doing the same motion as a squat, but without supporting the weight of your body weight. Now, can you do it? Or can you, uh, offload part of your body by holding onto a wall while you squat. Oh my God. Wow. Look at that. Your range of motion is so much deeper. There's, there's generally a way. And so one of the things that, that I pride myself in is having a very large tool belt. Um, and I can almost always find a way to make it work. So it sounds like what you do is get it down to its most basic level in terms of what can you do. And That's then right. you start saying, okay, we are going to make your body more functional. We're going to make it so that you can squat properly, that your glutes are activating properly, that you can like get up off and down the ground. So and let's take you as an example. Like you sure. couldn't, you were lying on your stomach. You couldn't lift your leg up behind you. So it's a glute right. recruitment issue and probably some other things with your spinal stabilization, maybe pelvic floor, there's diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing, all these things. Why don't we just start you standing up and squeezing your butt as hard as you can? Right. Yeah. yeah can you do that without pain? Cause I'm going to neurologically teach you how to fire off those glutes. And then we can maybe do some soft tissue work to reduce uh, muscle firing patterns that oppose the glutes to enhance your ability to recruit those muscles. So I'm, I'm going to find some way to set you up for success. I'm going to figure out what you can't do. And then I'm going to break it down into its simplest terms so that I can make you successful at it. And you find that by helping people improve functionality of the body, so by teaching the body to, even though I didn't, ha so I didn't, ha I want everybody to know this. I didn't have glute pain Right. I did. I had unexplained hip pain that was like deep in my hip, but it was, some, you know, it was it. We never I don't I never. I don't think we ever really nailed it down. It wasn't like it needed a serious explanation, but it happened all the time. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like glute specific pain, but we found that deficiency. And what you're saying is once you find where the body is deficient and you cannot you cannot move properly, building up to that, getting the body to move properly will eventually decrease the chronic pain, no matter where it is, even if it's sort of, I mean, obviously, it's probably going to relate to that decrease in functionality. But, you know, it could be a random pain that you don't have a structural reason for, right? That like an imagery doesn't show you mm -hmm. have this problem. Um, it, you're saying functionality, improved functionality always decreases chronic pain. I wouldn't say always. It's a good practitioner. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say always. I, I would say that for the vast majority. But there's also I, I do want to caution you on that, because when you start making generalizations, there are people in the functional space, as there are in every prof profession who take it too far. Hmm. You know that you go into the, to see them and you're like, oh, my finger hurts. And they start doing all this crazy stuff and and crazy movements. And they never even bother to ask hey, did you fall or jam that finger recently? Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes there's an easy explanation. 
It doesn't yeah. always have to be this crazy big explanation. Uh, so I, I had a patient in, in yesterday, uh, Tuesday, um, and, and he's got some functional issues. And, and in addition to those functional issues, he had a finger that couldn't straighten. That was something new. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And I said, what's going on with that? He goes, yeah, it's been bugging me for about a month. Okay. What happened a month ago? Oh yeah. I slipped and fell while I was surfing and I caught my finger on the edge of the board. Okay. So this is an easy explanation. I don't, I don't need to right. go to the nth degree on this one. Right. I would challenge the idea that you brought up earlier. And I would say about, about the diagnosis, because there, there is this mistaken idea within Western societies about the diagnosis as if it helps you. In other words, I had a patient. Yeah, this is, this is important because I had a patient. You're come speaking in. to me now. You're speaking to me now. <laughs> so this patient comes in and he goes, I've got a hip bursitis. Yeah. And I said, okay, where'd it come from? Did you fall and land on your hip? He goes, no. He goes, uh, the, the doctor that I went to said it's from lateral motion. Okay. Do you have it on both hips? No. Uh, do you move both directions? He's a tennis player. Yes. Why is it only on one side? Okay. Like, like these are basic questions. Like that's not a good explanation. Hip bursitis. Yes. That's a diagnosis. Does it help you? Not really. Not really. Not, not unless you're, you know, it, those kind of diagnoses are helpful for a surgeon. Oh, this person has stenosis and I'm going to do a roto-rooter type surgery. Now that's telling me what I need to know to do what I want to do. But for you and I walking around telling me that I have stenosis doesn't help. Telling me that I have lost some of the normal curve in my spine. And because of that, the foramen, the, the, the holes on the sides of the spine where the nerves exit are no longer wide enough to accommodate the nerve to pass through without getting encroached upon. Now I have something to work on. Okay. So what's my target? My target is to put the normal curve back into my spine and restore normal functionality so that those holes on the side of the spine are wider and can accommodate that nerve without causing me problems. So it, it brings again, I'm, I'm trying to challenge these these ideas that people have here that 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 a diagnosis is helpful or that an MRI is helpful. When I send somebody for an MRI, I'm trying to determine whether or not they're a surgical case. That's, that's mm -hmm. the reason to do advanced imaging. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're talking functional and you're working with a practitioner, Noel, and this is important, I want to see in my first visit with that person, if I can improve their functionality, mm -hmm. first visit, I want to see it. In, I want to have, I want to see it happen instantaneously. It may not get to, it's not going to get to perfect. I don't, I don't anticipate that it's going to get to perfect, but I want to see it and I want them to feel it instantaneously. Oh, I couldn't squat. Um, now I can squat deeper and it doesn't hurt as much. And, and I'm not going to do it through treating them because I don't treat on my first visit. Generally, I just do an exam. So I'll do a therapeutic challenge. I'll push their body in a direction and see how they respond. Hmm. But I want to see that improvement and I want the light bulb. I want their eyes to get really big and go like, holy wow. How did, how did that happen that fast? So, so you work with people and we were chatting about this before we started. And I think that this is where we're going to end because we're coming up on time and we're just going to have to have you back, Dr. Witt, because there's so <laughs> many other things we need to talk about. But we were talking before we jumped on about how people find somebody like you to help them, because 
I know people go to, does acupuncture really help? You know, somebody will go to an acupuncturist and they'll go for six weeks and then they'll say that did nothing. And then they'll go to a chiropractor and they'll say, you know, well, I, I, I had like, I, they wanted me to come three times a week for the next eight years. Like, and I couldn't do that and it didn't really help. And then somebody mm-hmm. will go to a PT and they'll say, well, I did that for like six weeks and they weren't really helpful and I was still in pain. So that didn't mm-hmm. work. So people keep going to these different, what I would call like, pain specialists or people who specialize in the body and structural movement and all are the body structure and movement and they don't find relief. So mm-hmm. I know that you have your own practice um, mm-hmm. and you're seeing people, but for people who are across the country and the globe, you know, what are, how does somebody find a practitioner that, that is like you? Because it's really mm-hmm. hard. And you could go to a chiropractor and not find somebody that's at all like you. So mm-hmm. how does somebody find somebody like you to help them with their, their chronic pain? Um, what I would look for if I was sending a family member is somebody who tests and finds dysfunction and then introduces something to alter the physiology and then retests and you can see and feel the difference after what that practitioner has done. And I mean, they can do that in one session. They're not going to resolve the problem in one session, but the practitioner and the person who's seeing them should know that this person knows what they're doing because they introduced this one specific thing and then retested me afterwards and showed showed the improvement. In other words, I couldn't squat. I couldn't lift my leg. I couldn't turn my neck. And all of a sudden, now I can. Mm. That means that that person knows what they're doing. And it means that they're formulating or have already formulated a plan inside of their head. And they know where they're going to take you Uh, as they work with you. Another thing that I would strongly advise people to look out for is like the practitioner that you saw that helped you so much, they need to involve you in the process. It shouldn't be them doing it for you or to you. It should be teaching you how to help yourself Hmm. and empowering you. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a teach a person to fish, not a give them fish type scenario. Um, and then finally, the other thing that I would say is, um, for those people who are not in a place, uh, to work with practitioners, either because they, they live remotely or they live in a country where, um, uh, they're just not able to find those types of practitioners. Um, I have created an online program called the pain fix protocol, uh, which is a choose your own adventure, go at your own pace, uh, guided program that I take people through with, uh, anybody can access it who has an, uh, internet connection. Awesome. And is it, should people be looking for a chiropractor? Should people be looking for like a pain management facility? Like how do you market yourself when you're like, as, as <clears throat> you're you know, telling people what you do, cause you're a chiropractor, but you do so much more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I, I never advise people to, to find, uh, a practitioner based on their label. Um, I would say find a practitioner based on recommendations. Yes. Uh, talk to people and find somebody good. I wouldn't rule somebody out simply because of their label and I wouldn't rule somebody in. I would caution people, Noel, on pain management. I, I'm, I'm really not a fan of the, that term. Um, uh, when I tell people what I do, I work for pain resolution. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. looking to, to mask or cover up pain or help a person, you know, um, hold their hand 
uh, while they're dealing with pain. It's not that there's not a place for those kinds of things uh, in a hospice care setting. This is an incredibly humane thing to do for people. I don't knock it. But for somebody like you, it's wildly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You, you don't need pain management. You, you can't lift your you can't lift your leg. You you're you're probably deadlifting at a very high level and you're not able to do the basics. So we need to take you back to the basics. And then once you get good at those, guess what? Your deadlift is going to be way better and you're not going to hurt while you're doing it. Yeah. So yeah. don't don't write off a chiropractor. Don't write off chiropractic care if you've had a bad chiropractor. Don't write off PT if you've had a bad PT experience. Go with referrals, which I will tell you, Dr. Witten, I found the guy that finally helped me from a referral. Mm-hmm. Like my husband yes. was talking at work about how hard it was for me. And somebody said, I was in, I thought I was f- so far gone. I thought I would never be able to ride my bike again. And this mm-hmm. guy got me out of pain in six weeks. And that's who yeah. I went to. And sure enough, he works. So I love a good referral. Like it saves you so much time and headache, you know? It's um, the same way, same way you find a good restaurant, Noel. You just look. <laughs> for the one that's fully packed and has people coming out with big smiles on their faces. Yeah. All right. So you have the pain fix protocol. We'll link to that in the show notes. Anything else um, that you're doing that we should know about and where can people find more about you? Uh, www.painfixprotocol.com. I have a YouTube channel where I put out uh, free content every week. Um, high level talking about the science. I always talk about studies. So everything we do in the practice, everything I do in my online programs is science-based, evidence-based, and and I have hard data that everything that we do works. Um, just put out a new supplement line called Movement Essentials for helping people to eliminate pain, uh, function at a higher level, and preserve their joints for a lifetime. I'm super excited about that. That can be found uh, at painfixprotocol.com in the store. And uh, yeah, so we've got a lot going on. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for um, answering all of my my questions. There was there was a lot. Um, and I appreciate all of your you sharing all your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So for more from uh, Dr. Witten, painfixprotocol.com. I will link to that in the show notes for more from me, coconutsandcuttlebells.com. Thanks so much for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>